This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey, welcome everybody. A brand new edition of Under the Dome with CD is here and you are listening live. Appreciate you listening and however you're doing so. Be it through that free 1037 The Game mobile app, the old school tower of power. Tower of power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh, yeah. And hopefully you're having a good one. We're coming to you live, as always, from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And it is a pretty decent Louisiana Saturday morning, almost Saturday afternoon. Appreciate you listening in and hopefully making it a great one. And I'd definitely say if you're out there just enjoying this weather right now because it's getting a lot warmer. And that is a huge step in the right direction because I'll admit it, was a huge fan of the cold this week. Was not a fan at all. In fact, last night, right as I was kind of leaving the first South Farm Credit Studios after Ben show, it was about like 30 degrees. And it was probably the most bitter cold I have experienced here in Louisiana. I've lived here my whole life. It's the coldest I can remember it. I know we had a bitter cold, especially back in '89. Something similar to this. I was not born yet. I was, I was in the, pro, I was, I was, I was getting there. It was a few months down the road. Let's just put it that way. The last time we had something like this back in '89, which was man, 32 years ago. I'm getting old. Anyways, so hopefully you're enjoying the show. However you're doing so, if you're popping that first top of the cold pop on a Saturday afternoon or. Better yet, drinking that second cup of coffee. Appreciate you listening in. The Twin Peaks Hotline is going to be open for the whole show, 337-706-0111. And we want to get your thoughts on all things in the world of sports. But in the meantime and in between time, it's time to kind of get down to brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this and what's got me fired up to do this show. Besides all the usual stuff, let's get into our Saturday sports sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. Here we start over in the land of San Diego. And we start with the Padres because they are poised to be an absolute contender in 2021. And they've pushed all their chips in the middle of that poker table to win a World Series title in the next five years. I think that's where they're at in my mind. The window is five years. And they've had probably the most productive offseason of anyone I can think of in the MLB. Trading for Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, getting Mark Malonson recently. Who's not from Louisiana? Then the Padres. They did something that made a lot of people scratch their heads. And that signed the young pup 
Fernando Tatis Jr. to a 14-year deal worth $340 million. After not even full two seasons in the MLB. Look back, he injured his back in 2019 in August of that year. Missed the rest of the year. Next season, he only plays the COVID-shortened season. He's able to play that all the way through. But it's the fact he hasn't played that full 162 yet. It's a bold move. That made me think about how this was something you usually see from a major market team. Like a L.A. Dodgers, a New York Yankees franchise, or even a Boston Red Sox type team. A team that's always in that conversation and a team that's from a major market that has big pocketbooks. A Ted Turner-esque pocketbook, if you get where I'm coming from, the sport of professional wrestling. But San Diego's lone team is making a major market move in terms of throwing out major bank with a small market team. I'm intrigued by this. And it's all about fighting a system I talked about a few weeks ago with the ring chasing in the world of sports. We continue to talk about it now. With J.J. Watt going ahead and testing out the free agency waters. I don't think he's a ring chaser. I don't think that's his mentality. But I think there's guys like a Trevor Bauer. That was the main subject of our Saturday sports sermon a couple weeks ago. The fact that he was ring chasing and going to a bona fide winner. And I hated it. But if you're the Padres, you're having to fight fire with fire. Because you're in the NL West with this team. And if you don't, you have a chance to basically lose a face of the franchise like, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. Last year, he became the mega star that everybody had been waiting for. A lot like back in the day when we had Ken Griffey Jr. be the kid wearing the hat backwards and changing some of those unwritten rules and being different and being flashy. Not necessarily swag out, but he had a different type of energy. And that was a big reason why People loved Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey Jr. was the man. I mean, he had a video game, for goodness sakes. A game that was really good, by the way. But you've got to keep your face of the franchise intact, but also it's a hell of a player. You've got to try and keep up in the arms races that is the NOS. I mean, the Dodgers, they just have reloaded with weapons like crazy. Mookie Betts is one of those who they paid big bucks last year after they pulled off the Boston trade. They managed to pull off an incredible trade with them last year that helped lead them to this World Series. And what it looked like, you know, I think there's so much different with what the Padres just did because they're building a team from within and they're doing it the right way. I just don't know if this is the right way to go about it because while it feels like Dan Lozano, Tatis Jr.'s agent, pulled off an Ocean's Eleven esque heist, It'll only go so far because you have to think that if we see the Wunderkind that is Tatis continue to be injury-prone in the bigs during this, again, five-year window, I think it's a five-year window because it's a 14-year deal and you've got so much talent around him. You Darvish, Manny Machado, Blake Snell, there's talent all around that can wind up making this franchise be NLCS or World Series-bound in the next five years. That's kind of your window because you'll still have a lot of those guys. And by then, you'll be able to tell whether or not this deal has paid off or not. It'd be a lot like the Albert Pujols deal that the Angels had many years ago when they paid him massive amounts of money to leave from the St. Louis Cardinals and go to the Angels 
And as an Astros fan, I'm glad that Pujols has absolutely sucks at joining the Angels. Then again, that entire team is just a dumpster fire and a half. But you've got to think that this is a situation where the deal could look very much like a lemon five years down the road. And the Padres will likely have to fork over the cash and probably a Bobby Bonilla deal if he continues to get injured and continues to underperform in the eyes of front office and especially in the eyes of the fan base. The fan base only has one thing to tie themselves on now. The city of San Diego, California only has one team. That's the San Diego Padres. And I really hope this doesn't come back to bite him in the backside because we all love the plucky underdog story. And to be honest, I would love to see the Dodgers get their asses handed to them by their SoCal foes. Seriously, tell me you wouldn't love to see Trevor Bauer in a Game 7 get destroyed by Manny Machado or hell, even a walk-off home run from Tatis Jr. and he bat flips and has the celebration of a lifetime. You have Jerkson Profar. He's not half bad. I think there's so much talent around this team in 2021 that they have a chance to be in the NLCS. I think that's where it's at. And this pitching staff that they have is going to be interesting to see how they all pan out. The NL West is going to be division to watch once the season kickstarts. And I really hope we get to see some really fun games down the road. And honestly, I'd be in favor of these two being the NLCS matchup because there's so much juice to it versus probably any other matchup because it feels like anybody else that the Dodgers face, they'd probably sweep them. Just because of their rotation alone. On paper, this is your World Series champion, the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I think it's the fact that you got the San Diego Padres that's going to be a big competition. It's something... I think I'm absolutely looking forward to, to be honest with you. Is that's what you want if you're a fan of sports. You don't want to see the same old guys. As a, as a wrestling fan, I don't want to see the same guy win every match and, and keep overcoming the odds because eventually overcoming the odds winds up getting a tired narrative because at the end of the day, if you've beaten everybody, there's no more worlds left to conquer. If you've won multiple titles in the sport of baseball, there's no more worlds left to conquer. And you just wonder how much success a team could have. You need to have that foil, be it a baby face or a heel. And I think at the end of the day, the Padres are that baby face that can knock off a potential new evil empire. Because that's what I feel like this... Dodgers team is they're the evil empire to you know maybe the Padres being the Luke Skywalker Obi-Wan Kenobi only hope type situation where they can turn this whole thing around I'm intrigued and I gotta respect the commitment to Tatis being the face of the franchise and flexing big huevos it's a big market thought process with a small market team. You know, you don't see this much anywhere else. You know, you see what happened with the Astros. They didn't break off Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve with these big money deals until they knew it was time to fire off the big money deal. So I think it's absolutely perfect. And I love this. I can't wait to see this season in the NL West. I might not watch a whole hell of a lot of it because it's obviously on the West Coast. I want to get some sleep. But I'll definitely be keeping tabs on the Dodgers and the Padres during the season because 
I think there's going to be an intriguing race. And that means you're going to have a very intriguing kind of National League. And for once, it seems like it's not just, you know, the Dodgers and everybody else. It feels like now the Padres are trying to get to their level. And that is a beautiful thing, my friends. It's a beautiful thing. And it's part of that vision for the greater good. That's what I'm all about. The greater good. And the greater good right now is to have the Padres be a top-level contender. All right, it's something to dome with CD. Hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon. And we got even more to talk about next, including the Saints looking for a play-by-play voice. We'll talk about that next and so much more. If you want to get in on the conversation, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. We got more Under the Dome coming up next. famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Few Manchester United, suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It's always interesting to look at the Twitter machine whenever I go to break, especially after I start ranting about different things, at least from a little bit more of a national perspective, because obviously sometimes it might be a little hit or miss at least from what I've noticed. Sometimes I'll go off on a tangent about other things that people aren't necessarily a huge fan of it. Lo and behold, I'm getting texts and tweets from at Breezy Bro. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Clinton Doming. Also tweet at us at 1037thegame with anything that you want to talk about. If you're not wanting to come on the program, at least from an on-air perspective, make sure you get in on that action. But right now, I want to kind of get into the Twin Peaks hotline in just a few. Like I want to save that for for a few moments. Let's go ahead and get ready because I've got a question for you that I want answers to. I want your takes. And I'll, I'll take your question, answers on this all show long as well as some of your questions. Hit me up on the Twin Peaks hotline, 337-706-0111 at Clint Doming, C-L-I-N-T-D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E or at 1037 Game. You also hit us up on Facebook. Just search 1037 Game. Give us a like when you can. We appreciate that as well. What we also appreciate is the fact that, you know, it's starting to warm up finally after this week that we've had where the weather has been absolutely bone-chilling cold. You might want to get out and enjoy some golf in a, about a week's time because I think things are starting to gonna start war- really warming up about the middle of this week. I was seeing one day it was like 70 degrees, but now it'll be more around the 60-degree around range or so, which is huge. But we want you to be part of our team at the Chittimacha Louisiana Open this year with our 2021 Tour Experience presented by Big Wheels, AC and Heating, and GolfBalls.com. The winner will receive a new Cadillac Golf Epic Speed Driver, a dozen golf balls, and a spot on the 103.7 game foursome in the LA Open Pro-Am on Wednesday, March 16th. So a little less than a month from right now, because it's February 20th, March 16th, you have a chance to win that. And all you got to do is sign up today in the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. That's the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. It's free to enter and free to join. If you're not part of our Rewards Club yet, go ahead and get in on the action today. 
But I want to get back to Twitter for a second because I saw this from at Breezy Bro on Twitter. Excuse me, Bree, Breezy Bro one saying, "Go Dodgers, love the show." And I know a few people that are big Dodgers fans, and I have nothing wrong. I have nothing against it. That. that is absolutely great to hear that there's people out there that are supporting the LA Dodgers even here. But it's something that's always kind of like made me think: is you know. Where where did that come from? Like, because I know some people, like my guy Tad, he's a huge Dodgers fan. I know that's more of a family thing. Was it the same for some of y'all? Where it's like you may have just grown up because your parents or grandparents, to a certain extent, were fans of a specific franchise that was out of that geographic realm. Like, I'm not counting the Braves, for instance, because the Braves just were ingrained into your mind growing up. Is and again, it's me and Ben have talked about this many times. Is the fact that we were pretty much brainwashed as kids to want to pull for the Atlanta Braves. Luckily, I didn't drink the Kool Aid because I just wasn't a fan of the whole thing. Every night, I can remember some nights I'd be at my at my grandparents' house and my cousins would be there and we wound up watching Braves games. I could not stand the Braves. They're chanting everything. They'd always win. I've always been a guy that pulls for the underdog. I think that's a big reason why I became a Saints fan. I became an Astros fan. And I really, growing up, was a Cajuns fan because they were the underdog. They were the ones that you wanted to root for to win. Because at the end of the day, you know, I just... Maybe it's also the fact I grew up watching like the Mighty Ducks movies and Major League and all that stuff to where I pull for the underdog in most everything. I'm sure that's the way you are as well. I feel like a lot of y'all might be the reason why is because y'all want to see these. Whenever that underdog finally is able to get over, it's a great damn feeling. And again, I'm kind of doubling back to pro wrestling for a second because I think it's pretty relevant. And Lewis talked about moments he'd love to relive over and over and over again in sports. I think mine off top in terms of sports entertainment, I'll, I'll twist his question around. And it's Daniel Bryan winning the title at WrestleMania 30. That's the Kofi Kingston winning the title on Mania 35. Those are the moments you want to see. It's the moments where it's the underdog finally getting his big moment, his moment in the spotlight, or her moment in the spotlight, however you want to put it. And having that feeling that you saw this person start from here, from beginning to end, and you got to see him reach that goal. Saints winning the Super Bowl, obviously the top of my list of moments I'd love to relive over and over and over again. And I mentioned this before, and I've talked to people about this prior to being on the air, that if the Saints never won another Super Bowl, I mean, if they won one, they'd be great. But if they never won one again, at least I could say I saw them win it. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that were Saints fans from Jump Street. Because I was born in 89. People that are probably born into this fan base. 1967 was when this thing was launched. And they waited for damn near 50 years. For over 40 years, they waited for what they saw in 2010 to happen. And that probably was the greatest moment as a sports fan they've ever had. 
That's the stuff I like to see. When the Houston Astros finally won a World Series title, that was, yes, it was tainted. But you can't take away how I felt that day because I felt amazing. I felt like I saw my team finally get over, finally do what nobody said they could do. And they did it. Almost did it twice, if not for those damn Red Sox. And the Nationals. And the Rays, too, to a certain extent. But I feel like that Astros team just... They stumbled into the ALCS last season, to be quite honest with you. I'm a huge Astros fan. You all know this. But they stumbled into that position, to be quite honest with you. So for me, that's where I'm at. It's always going to be watching the underdog get the win. Seeing the Dodgers win. and If you pull for... the the Dodgers, that's fine. I'll get, maybe give you a little hell about it. But trust me, I want to see the underdog get over on these evil empire-type teams, be able to keep them down. Because guess what? That's what makes the world go around. That's what means. At the end of the day, there's people out there that probably, you know, like Barney Stinson and How I Met Your Mother, rooting for Billy Zapka as opposed to Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid, rooting for the bad guy, cheering cheering the heels and booing the faces. That's fine. Cheer, boo, whatever, you know, just I'm always going to go towards the side of the guys that are underdogs. Even if they are like the Astros a few years ago with with the banging on the trash can stuff. I I joke around about it because at the end of the day it's all I can really do, but I'm always going to be pulling for the underdog, pulling for that team. No matter what. And yes, you know, you could say it's that World Series title is tainted, but I'm not going to say, hey, you know, that's going to turn me away from rooting for that team. It just feels like that's impossible for me to do. I, I can't not pull for my favorite team. You can't make me forget how I felt that night in 2017 when the Astros finally won it. You can't take away the t shirts I have that commemorate. A World Series title, an NFC title for the Saints, a Super Bowl title for the Saints, even with the Bounty Gate stuff, which is a mess in and of itself. And how Greg Williams still has a job in 2021, or had a job, amazes me. How he's able to still have a job, because I'm surprised they didn't ban him from the sport, because he was the one that was largely kind of starting all this mess. But speaking of the Saints, I was going to get to this, but I want to kind of get into a mini rant about how I like my sports and how my sports team, how my sports allegiances and my alliances were built. And it's the underdog. And I talk about the Saints. They were the underdog for a few years, several years when I was growing up. And like seeing them get to the playoffs, when they did, was pretty damn cool. And it probably was a big reason why I continued to root for them, being able to get there. And, you know, I rooted for them when I was little. But I was much more, I became more of a Saints fan and a sports fan, period, during that Aaron Brooks era. That's the stuff that I outright remember watching. That's the stuff that I remember, like around that time frame. That's the stuff I remember. A little before that, might be a little bit hazy just because I've probably seen stuff about it. But it just doesn't hold me as much as remembering the stuff that, like, the the better times. And some of the rougher times, too. The 2005 season 
was an absolute jamoke and then some. But it also led to some great things happening for that franchise the very next year. Drew Brees, Reggie Bush, Zach Streif, who just announced yesterday he's going from the booth back down onto the field as an assistant offensive line coach. And, you know, when it comes to, like, guys going from the booth, from the field to the booth, excuse me, it's always going to ride a passage for some in recent years, but it's been more jumping towards the color commentary side of things. Tony Romo, Troy Aikman, obviously, to a certain extent, Chris Collinsworth, eventually Drew Brees is going to be in that number whenever he decides to retire. But then Zach Streif, he surprised a lot of people after he retired, was going to go ahead and take over and replace the great Jim Henderson. That is massive shoes to fill. We talk about it all the time with Chris Blair. Chris Blair's done an outstanding job being the voice of the Tigers. He has single-handedly, he took on a role that said, hey, you know, you've got to try and fill the shoes of a man that is an absolute legend in the world of, like, Saints fandom and or LSU fandom. Jim Hawthorne is that voice that you hear amongst, like, all the iconic moments over the last, like, 30 years. you got to replace that. I think Chris Blair has done an outstanding job. Zach Streif, make your own, you have your own opinion, I have mine. I won't get into it in depth, but it certainly was an interesting duo with him and Deuce McAllister. Well, the dynamic duo is broken up. Streif announced he's becoming the assistant offensive line coach for the Saints. And he said, quote, I won't be far away. My love for the game of football, my connections with the Saints simply called me to this job. I played with Peyton for 12 years and worked with Mr. and Mrs. Benson and Mickey Loomis. I have learned so much from all of them and want to continue to grow as professional. The opportunity to help the Saints bring another world championship is just too great for me to pass up. It's time for me to go home, end quote. So the former seventh-round pick, and he's reportedly going to be mentored by Dan Rochar, who has really helped his offensive line improve for the much maligned years of 2014-15. And once he started to see more guys come in, that, that offensive line became fully formed after Max Unger took over, and he started to see some of the more things formulate. And it became even a lot better because Drew Brees was under pressure like crazy in 2014-15. It felt like, I talk about it all the time, the Giants' offensive line post the second Super Bowl fell off a cliff huge. I don't know why, but that's where it was. But my question to you, and you can call me up, 337-706-0111, and give me your thoughts. Who do you want to be the next voice of the New Orleans Saints? There's a lot of choices out there. There's a lot of options to choose from. Don't just stick yourself in a proverbial, like, round hole or square peg. Don't go with the easy stuff. Think, like, formulate an opinion and give me who you'd love to hear be the next voice in the world of the Saints because you're still having to fill the shoes that is Jim Henderson because, I mean, actually was only there for a couple years. That legacy of Jim Henderson is still there. Who do you think? could be that next guy to take over that spot and really make it his own. Give me your thoughts, 337-706-0111. When we come back, we'll talk about that, but also want to talk about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns because they opened up their season last night. And, yes, it was a loss, but I'll give you my takeaways from their first game of the season. Next, you're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037thegame and 1037thegame.com.
exciting times. The world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com. Coming to you live from the First South Farm Credit Studios. And I mentioned the fact that I want your take, 337-706-0111, on my big question about who do you want to be the next voice of those New Orleans Saints? Zach Shreve stepping down as the play-by-play voice. Now we go out to the Twin Peaks hotline to bring on the man they call Neil in Branch. Neil, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? Uh, yeah, you might also know me as uh, the Dean. Yep. Formerly the uh, the champ of, uh, I believe, your league, wasn't it? Yes, it was my league. Yes, it was my league. <laughs> Sorry, man. I don't get to talk to you. It's, it's all good, Saturday, dude. So. But, uh, hey, look, uh, I might be going with kind of a homer pick on this one for the play-by-play, but I'm going to reach a little bit back in the day for the, the listeners who remember this guy. He's currently doing play-by-play for the Shreveport Mudbugs in the uh, minor league hockey league up in Shreveport. Former producer, Chet, the man Yoder. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Thank you so much for the call, Neil. Chet Yoder as the voice of the... Ah, man, that's a... That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm... I'm going to have to dig in the break because I have got some pointed thoughts about that statement he just said. Because, don't get me wrong, Chet's a good guy. But, man, it's very, it's a very interesting pick. Because I think Chet Yoder is a character. I think he'd have to let the person breathe a little bit if the, the, the color guy and I, I just don't think that the styles of Chet and Deuce I and mean, Deuce is still going to be the the color guy I just don't think that's going to mesh well because if you've heard some of the calls of Carrico High School football back whenever you know he was doing those especially as the color guy towards the end him and, him and Ben I know it was very much like a clashing of styles that's what I think it would wind up being if it were, you know, you'd see that going on. But, who boy, that is, that's one to chew on. That's definitely one to chew on. I appreciate the call, Neil and Branch. For me, you know, obviously, I'd probably go with two guys that are from the Crescent City. And I said not to necessarily go out inside the box. I mean, you can definitely color outside the box like a guy. Neil and Branch, the dean of fantasy, as he proclaims himself to be. You know, he did win the the under the dome league, which honestly isn't that difficult. Difficult considering how bad I was this year. Who boy, I don't want to relive this past fantasy football season. So many damn injuries, it was absurd. But I think I've got to go with two guys. I'll, I'll give you one of them now. If somebody else can throw out. My other option, I'd love it. 337-706-0111. But the num but the guy that I want to see be the guy to take this job, and Pelicans fans may hate me for it. 
Joe Myers, he needs to be the guy to take this job. He's got a phenomenal pipes. He's done great for the preseason games for the Saints. And I know for a fact he he did some Cajuns and two-lane games back in the days before ESPN Plus existed and teams had to produce their content in-house. And I, I think I've mentioned this story before about the time I met Joel Myers. Really great guy. Met him at the Cages game. I brought the Cages. They played, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it might have been like, it was a 2016 season because my, my buddy Quiggs was still working at UL at the time in the sports information department. And I know it was before Alabama Ole Miss. And that was when Alabama had lost like two straight. And everybody was like, oh, man, is, that, is Ole Miss going to become the new power? And, and then they didn't. They absolutely just laid an egg in that ball game. And Ole Miss just got trampled on. That was a that was a game where the Cajuns, it was the week before they played Tulane because Joel did the game the very next week. So, yeah, I met him. We talked for a few minutes about the Pelicans and just sports in general. And we kind of just got a conversation. All of a sudden, he mentioned the fact that when he does his show on NBA radio, he usually has his dog sitting underneath the table, and he would just pet it like in the break or something just to keep it quiet, I guess. And that would, just hearing that story, it was like, that's awesome. And I'm sure that's probably how Jordy does his show as well. Out in Baton Rouge, you can listen to the Jordy Holbrook show from 2 to 4. Don't you forget it. But I think Joel Myers should be that guy. I think there's a lot of guys out there that can definitely be considered. I just, I'm interested to see if Deuce sticks around or not now. Because... I think in order to have a really good broadcast, you've got to have a good partnership. You've got to have a good rapport going with your producer, with your color commentator, because at the end of the day, you don't want to have, for instance, we, we play it umpteen times. I've been told not to play it again on Ben's show or any other show. The call of the sawed-off Hail Mary from the character game back in 2016. And we kind of go in full circle here, bringing up Chay Yoder. And how Che Yoder always, it felt like sometimes he just ran over Ben on the air. And this was one of those instances where as Ben's trying to get this amazing call in from one of the better games of that 2016 season, and all of a sudden, Che Yoder's trying to do his best Jim Hawthorne impression, trying to rip off his gimmick. And it just comes off, it's like, it's a great moment that gets sullied by this. By the antics. That was kind of where I landed on this. But if you want to give your take on who you want to be the, who you want to be the next voice in the New Orleans Saints, the Twin Peaks Hotline is open for the entire show. 337-706-011. We'll probably reset this now and again throughout the program. But I'm intrigued to see how this whole thing is going to be. Because when you think Saints football, probably for a good bit. Of this Acadian area, and probably the whole state of Louisiana, and who that nation at large is going to think of Jim Henderson. I mean, I could say Hakeem dropped the ball, or no, and pigs have flown. And you can immediately start thinking back into your memory banks, and it's almost like a Winter Soldier trigger word to where you are immediately going to think back to Jim Hawthorne's call. You're going to hear that in your head because it's ingrained into your brain enough to where you know this is a guy that you absolutely loved hearing back in the day. And I'm interested to see how that kind of pans out in the not-too-distant future. 
for certain guys. Because, again, it's interesting. That's basically where I'm kind of landing here. But I want to also talk about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Took a, took a two, tough loss to Tulane last night. Three to two. Luis Alves, or Aviles, gave the Green Wave the win in the 10th with a walk-off two-run single. And it hurts for the Cajuns to lose the first game of the year. They did the, the same thing happened last year. They went 0-3 against La Tech. I remember because it was at all three games. It was absolute. It, it, it hurt. To see that, but there were some positives to where you can hold your head up high. I think there was a lot of things where I was thinking, you know, this was a game where it felt like on paper you could have wound up coming away with a win, and you almost did. It looked like you had a chance to get things done, but, of course, that 10th inning kind of fell apart and got away from you with two outs. But the positives for me, I think it's North Vermilion product. Hayden Dirk looked fantastic in his debut for the Vermilion and White. He threw five shutout innings, struck out five, only allowed one hit. And, you know, with a lot of that new car smell with this team, because there's a lot of different faces all across this roster, up and down. I don't know what this team truly has in their rotation until I see it. But seeing that Friday night performance from a freshman in Dirk, that's huge. And seeing that, because... You felt like on paper it'd be Connor Angel being the guy to get the start. But Dirk turns out to be the guy that's going to get that Friday night spot because that's typically reserved for your ace. And I think now he's showing he can be that ace on Friday night to where he can get you a solid win down the road. Five really good innings. Now I think obviously they pulled him because they want to make sure he can kind of be ramped up because, again, it's early on in the year. You don't want to risk losing your ace in the first game. I want him talking to somebody, and they were asking me, it's like, why was he pulled after five innings? Did he just, like, get in trouble? No, he was... He reached a point where probably Deg said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pull him. I don't want to risk him burning out in that first game because I don't know what's going to happen next and who else is going to have to step up. I want to see what I have in my bullpen. I want to be able to ramp up some guys. That way, eventually, I could have a guy like a Connor Cook, who I'll get to in a minute, have them be a guy that could start in the midweek because I, th- I think he has a chance to where he has probably a really decent four to five pitcher rotation. He could have once we start getting into the month of March and probably into conference play when we have these midweek games that matter a lot more than the Sunbelt Conference games in terms of RPI and being able to get into that conversation of going to Omaha possibly and very much like italicized possibly getting into Omaha or getting into the College World Series conversation. The big negative for the Cajuns, there was two of them that stood out to me, but it's the fact that the Cajuns traded 10 runners. You had only two guys that were multi-hit games, Tyler Robertson and Connor Kemple. One-two in the lineup, which is great to see, but you didn't see much else in terms of production. Fitzgerald 0 for 5 you had Catalano be a pinch runner. And then 0 for 4, John Brandon, a guy with two first names. He underwhelmed. Brandon Bro looked good. He had an RBI. He struck out and got walked. He was a 1 for 4 on the, on the night. Is what it is. You also had Drake Osborne, Fitzgerald, Ofer, Samriola, 
and you only got seven hits. You out hit Tulane, but at the end of the day, you still wound up not being able to capitalize on some things, namely errors. You had bases loaded at least two innings that I can remember. It's a big reason why you had ten guys get stranded. I, I like what I've seen from the Cajuns. Again, I'm going to bring in Connor Cook because he looked okay. Two and a third, allowed two runs, but then he also walked five and struck out five. Very much a, okay, what's going on here? What is happening? Why is this the way it's going? And he he basically had those two runs. They were earned because of the fact that he, that the losing pitcher, Jeff Wilson, inherited the runs. He looked good for a good bit of it, but it's just the fact he was like five walks and five strikeouts. There's a lot of questions. And after the game, Matt Deggs talked about keeping Cook in, and according to him, because like two and a third innings, he felt like the game played out exactly like, like we scripted it from that perspective. The game actually played out the exact way we scripted it beforehand. We were going to go to Hayden for five and uh, hopefully get him to five and then uh, tally the bridge to, to Cook. And, uh, you know, Cook's been battling a growing, so we're, we're trying to stack pitch count up because ultimately I want to start him. And, uh, he's, but he's got dominant stuff, and he's got the stuff to finish the game. And so it played out perfect. Uh, we had gotten Jeff up in case we needed a bridge a couple of times, and uh, – I was liking, you know, I was wanting Cook to finish the game right there, but I think he was just running out of steam. We haven't been able to stack his pitch count as high as we would like uh, due to a couple of little nagging injuries. But as far as the script, it played out exact. We just, you know, we were a little too generous. For what it's worth, his pitch count was 53. And I think Cook actually, again, decent ball game, only allowed one hit. I mean, everybody as a whole allowed four total hits. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many hits you allow. It's how many runs are on the scoreboard. And you allowed three runs to two. A two-run single wound up sealing the deal. And the Cage is going to try and get that first win of the year later today. But that, t- that first pitch is going to be around 2 o'clock. So not long after the show wraps up, Cage's baseball game numero dos will be getting started. All right, it's under the dome with CD. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, wrap up hour number one in style with a quick look at recruiting because the Dallas Duggars nabbed a pretty decent size recruit. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on 103.7 The Game and 103.7 thegamecom to the pros and everywhere in between. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana's Sports Station. 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. And I mentioned the fact that LSU added a really decent member to their 2022 recruiting class. I know the recruiting season largely is in the books for 2021. I know there may be some transfer guys maybe jump over to LSU. But they added Newman, wide receiver A.J. Johnson, to the 2022 recruiting class. It's a really big one. That guy was the number one target for quarterback Archie Manning. This adds to 10 total committed players right here, right now, the 2022 recruiting cycle, including 
probably the best name in all of sports, Dakotas Crawford and Aaron Anderson. And I'm interested to see how this is. He's obviously is the number one target for Arch Manning. Is this going to be enough to flip him over? Because I think this is probably going. It's very much you know top secret information to figure out who you know. Excuse me, Miles Brennan. Listen to me. How much Arch Manning is leaning? It's going to be very much kept under lock and key, probably for the next several months, until probably National Signing Day Part One, if not Part Two. It's going to be something that's very much kept close to the vest because I don't think anybody's going to let Arch Manning let that thing leak. And I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Because if AJ Johnson sticks with that commitment, and you see, and he sees that, he's like, "Hey, I want to go ahead and play with my best friend, play with a guy that I like to work with." That would be intriguing to see if he adds to this very stacked. Like quarterback room that could be with Walker Howard, Gus uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, and a bunch of other guys. But we'll talk about that down the road. Back after this on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Hour two coming up next. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037, the game. Hey, welcome everyone. Hour number two of two of Under the Dome with CD is officially underway. Hope you have a great one on this. Louisiana Saturday morning, a lot warmer than it had been last Saturday, more importantly, probably all week long. And of course, we're coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Here, this, worldwide. And hopefully you're enjoying the show, however you're doing so, be it through that old school FM dial. This is where the power lies. Or through the free mobile app, Amazon Alexa Smart Speakers. Make sure if you haven't already, re-enable our Alexa Smart Skill that we can play 1037 the game through your smart speaker or the mobile app or 1037thegame.com. Hopefully, you've been enjoying the show. If you're popping that first top of the day, or maybe you can get that second cup of coffee in. Appreciate you as well. Before we get into brass tacks in terms of the world of sports, I want to do something I haven't done in a while because like, sometimes just things don't necessarily work out the way we want it to. And also, obviously, I'm just busy as I'll get out. Haven't been able to get as many guests on a certain podcast. You might know about it. You might love it. You might hate it. The Cajun Strong Style Podcast. It drops each and every Monday. We try for 1 o'clock. Sometimes it drops during Monday Night Raw. Is what it is. But we got a special guest on the podcast. This Monday it'll be dropping. It'll be a review of Elimination Chamber, AEW Dynamite, tons of stuff. You can leave me questions at Clendoming on Twitter. C-L-I-N-T-D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E. Leave me some questions about what happened with pro wrestling this week and maybe give me some ideas for content to talk about. Just, just me. Always taking 
ideas. That being said, this week we have a special guest, Bryce Boudreaux, ring announcer and also the host and producer of something really cool coming up, Championship Wrestling from Gulf Coast. And we talked about that a lot. This is one of the big highlights from the interview. I'll play that for you right now, a little preview of what's to drop Monday, Ep 41 of the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Yeah, as of right now, you know, we clearly can't do anything in the state of Louisiana. The commission has completely shut that down. Maybe one day, but uh, as far as TV tapings go, you know, right off the bat, we're not going to be doing TV tapings. We're going to be doing the syndication for a while. Yeah. Eventually, once we, once we see that, you know what, this is a successful product because, you know what, we haven't aired yet. So who knows? We could air this, and it could be a flop, and it could be in the uh, what the was the rest of the promotional graveyard on uh, wrestling with regret. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I hope to God it doesn't. But uh, no. It, Let's just say things go great, and we decide let's do TV tapings because you know we talk about that all the time. And yes, uh, we we do have plans to eventually do TV tapings. We had a studio picked out uh, because that's what uh, our brand is normally doing is, is studio wrestling, United Wrestling Network, and Dave Marquez is the king of modern day studio style wrestling. You know that NWA power style, old school studio wrestling. We do have a studio picked out, and uh, we do have a lot of talent that we're looking at across the Gulf Coast and talent that uh, currently wrestles in Hollywood for championship wrestling from Hollywood, Primetime Live, New Japan America, and uh, some former NWA guys uh, and, and girls, too, women's wrestling as well. So, yes, yeah, so we do have a studio picked out. I can't reveal anything other than that, but uh, one day we will have TV tapings if and when uh, – you will find out. So. I can't wait for that, to be honest with you. And you'll get more details. Make sure you listen to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Drop on Monday. We'll review a lot of different things, but that is one of the big highlights. You need to check it out when it drops on Monday. But if you want to talk about anything involving the world of sports, now's the time. 337-706-0111. Still want your takes on who do you think, who do you want I should say, to be the next voice of the New Orleans Saints because Zach Streif stepped down in as a role of the play-by-play guy. Now he's going to be the color analyst, or excuse me, the assistant offensive line coach. Listen to me. He's the assistant offensive line coach for the New Orleans Saints. And I mentioned earlier, he's getting the gig and he's going to be mentored underneath Dan Ruchar, who is the offensive line coach right now. But I saw this pop up. I want to give credit to Jeff Duncan at The Athletic, courtesy of Larry Holder, because this is coming from the role that is, okay, I'm, I'm seeing this as well. I'm going to talk about an update about the question that I have. And apparently, according to Jeff Duncan of The Athletic, the Saints are expected to move veteran offensive line coach Dan Ruchar to the position of tight ends coach slash running game coordinator, filling that void left by Dan Campbell. There's a lot of coaching voids, and they can kind of rearrange and restructure some things. So Brendan Nugent, currently assistant offensive line coach, can be promoted just to the full-time OL coach. And Rushar has some experience. He coached the tight ends back in 2015. So that's where that's at. And according to sources, this is, again, Jeff Duncan, giving him all the credit today. And Intercom will make the final call, but the 
rumor and innuendo is, according to him, that the leader of the clubhouse is former WWL TV anchor Mike Haas, which or Haas, I guess I could say, because H-O-S-S is not H-A-A-S like Charlie Haas. It is Mike Haas, and, or Haas. I'm, like, I'm trying to figure out how to exactly pronounce that, because Haas and Haas is like two different things, and Haas means also, you know, big wrestler. Absolutely love the fact that WWL TV anchor Mike Haas is being considered for the gig. Again, Intercom makes the final call. This is all just kind of conjecture and rumor and innuendo at this time. But it's crazy that we're already starting to spark up the conversation about who could be the next play-by-play voice for the New Orleans Saints. And if you got to pick about who you'd love to see, hey, 337-706-0111 is the way to go. But, of course, I want to talk about what's going on with LSU sports right now at large. It's been a wild week just trying to figure out everything that's going on. And the big thing that I've been trying to figure out is what's going on with LSU hoops. They came away with a very big win over Tennessee. Now they've had about a week layoff, and who knows when they're going to make up that Mississippi game, that old Miss game they were supposed to have on Wednesday night, but the or, or it was supposed to be Wednesday, then Thursday. Again, this thing has been an absolute cluster. You know what over the last week. So it's you've got everything going on there. I think that LSU has a chance. Again, I talked about it on I was showing it for Jordy earlier, earlier this week and talking about LSU basketball. They have a chance to really set themselves up nicely to head into the NCAA tournament and probably just have to win one game to really assure themselves a really good seed right here, right now. I haven't looked at Joe Lenardi's bracketology lately, but I'm almost certain that you've got the latest brackets. You may have seen them, and Joe Lenardi always has time to kind of break down what's going on with it, and I'm sure he has people in mind. And right here, right now, I think he's got LSU as a – I saw he had LSU as a seven seed, if not mistaken, an eight seed, actually, in the fourth region, paired up with Loyola Chicago, and then they would take on – James Madison, the winner of James Madison, Ohio State. Play the winner of those two. Interesting. I'm intrigued by that. Hopefully, LSU can improve that resume with a win over Auburn today. They're taking them on at three. And right now, they only have four games left. I think they'll add on the Florida game, Mississippi State, the, the Ole Miss game, excuse me. That will probably be added on something. It's going to be a very tight window. Try and fit that game in. But I'm sure they'll figure a way to do it. Because I'm sure you could probably like finagle in one maybe on a Thursday night. Now you have a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. you got three games. And then you play Tuesday night. And then you play Saturday to wrap the season before the SEC tournament after that Vanderbilt game. But right here, right now, just the four games, you have a chance to go 3-1. and Because I think Georgia, very much inconsistent. You're playing a bottom feeder team in Vanderbilt. Your one loss on paper is Arkansas on the road, a team you've struggled against in the past on the road. But I'm still very much intrigued when it comes to what's going on with LSU basketball. Because they've been a team where if they were if they won that game over Texas Tech, like they should have, that was a team that was very much poised to get that big Q1 win and you don't really have to worry about doing much in the SEC tournament because you've done enough. Getting that win and getting a win over Tennessee 
And if you pull off a win over 24th ranked Arkansas, that's 24th ranked right here right now and probably will be next Saturday, probably moving up, that winds up setting you up really nicely. Those are at those are three quadrant one wins. Auburn probably a Q2 win on paper. And doing that would be absolutely massive to build the reputation, to build things up for the LSU Tigers to get into the NCAA tournament and make a run. Because right here, right now, it feels like they could be a win as an eight seed in that first round, then they lose to Ohio State. I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's their lot in life, to get to the round of 32 and get bounced out. I think this team feels like a possible Sweet 16, but the way they've played against certain teams, like in Alabama, like a Texas Tech in the final 50 seconds, that's not a given. It's not a God-given right to do that. But the way they played against Tennessee just a week ago made me have a little bit more confidence. Made me have just a teensy bit more confidence. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to wind up doing. Meanwhile, LSU baseball is going to be getting started up in about 45 minutes, give or take a few. Jaden Hill going to be on the bump for LSU last year. He only pitched about, I think it was like he had 11 innings of work last year. 1-0 in his career. I hope he can play an entire season because having him back is massive and having him as that quote-unquote Friday night ace because obviously this is a little bit different. You have to play Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You're playing Air Force twice. Some changes to things. But also, if, you, if you're interested, here's your starting lineup for the LSU Tigers later on today. You've got Dylan Cruz leading things off. Then you got Cade Doty batting second. Batting third is Cade Beloso. The batting cleanup, Gavin Duga. That's a really good like first four guys. Trey Morgan, the star freshman everybody's talking about. He'll be starting at first base. He's batting fifth. Batting sixth is going to be Will Helmers. Giovanni Giacomo batting 7th. Number 7 batting 7th. I like that. Then you've got Zach Arnold starting a shortstop, number 2. Alex Malazzo, number 20. He's going to be batting in the 9-hole. Really good like starting 9, I think. And the fact you got Dylan Cruz, a freshman at leadoff, you got a lot of young pups scattered in that. Well, Helmers, Trey Morgan, Dylan Cruz. Three young pups. And you're starting nine, day one. That's not even counting a guy like, I'm trying to remember if Zach Arnold is a freshman or not. It's just, escape me. Okay, no, he is a sophomore, actually. He played last year a little bit. Again, remembering what happened with this crazy, you know, 2020 season where things just got shut down, it's hard to remember where certain guys were unless you outright remember, like Cade Beloso, Cade Doty, Gavin Duga, Giovanni DiGiacomo. Those are the guys you remember. Everybody else in that lineup is either freshman or relative unknown. Giacomo's a name you remember just because it's a, it's a really awesome name. But Dylan Cruz, Will Helmers, Trey Morgan, brand new guys, opening day, and you're starting nine, you have a freshman in the leadoff spot. But Dylan Cruz has gotten a lot of love from a lot of people in the preseason, especially from Paul Maneri. But then again, Paul Maneri puts a lot of people over. And I'll I'll never it's like it's amazing to see how much pulmonary and I was kind of like upset because what happens is if you ever heard the opening press conference to start the season with pulmonary 
he can literally talk for an entire hour, and 20 minutes of that is him talking about each and every player on that roster. He didn't do that this year. He was only allotted, I think, 30 minutes. And he got his point across with a little big statement and got done. And that was a weird thing. Like it was it was wild to think back to and think that that's where the team was. Like, and it was like, yeah, they only have like 20 minutes because you got to get everybody else in. You have 30 minutes, so get your stuff in, and they will hurry up and fit in all these other players. And I think LSU baseball, it's not a CWS or bust year, but I think it's a host of Super Regional or bust type year because there's potential. With this team, with this hyped offense, with this hyped lineup, to where they could do that. And I have the fact that you've got a lot of your guys back. AJ Labus is back. Yet you've got a starting rotation ready to go. And they're calling Baton Rouge right now. So LSU baseball's about to get started. And I'm all the way here for it. I'm just ready for baseball to get started, period. Is I've mentioned before, big, big baseball fan be it college, be it high school, be it pros. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. We'll be back after this. Going to talk a little bit about the Teddy Bridgewater rumors and what this speaks to, because I think there's something to all this stuff. We'll talk about that next right here on 1037 Game, 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome, coming back next. Sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. If your 2021 is starting to feel like 2020 part deux, well, guess what? It's time to turn your luck around with 1037 Games Luck of the Irish Sweepstakes presented by First Turn. We're giving away a $500 Visa gift card to one lucky winner. So go sign up today in the 1037 Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com today for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. That's the Luck of the Irish Sweepstakes brought to you by First Turn and 1037 Game, Acadiana's Sports Station. Hope you have a great one so far under the dome with CD. Rolling on. And I got to say, just looking forward to just college baseball in my life. That's great in and of itself. But I want to talk about some stuff. I know Ben mentioned it yesterday in his show. The Carolina Panthers rumor in your window where they're making space and they're clearing a lot of cap space for one person in particular, and that is the Sean Watson deal and being able to get that trade in. Here's the thing. I don't, and I, I'm going to go ahead and give credit where credit is due to our guy, Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus because he brought this up on Twitter and saying that the Panthers clearing cap space isn't really related to Deshaun Watson at least directly because he only has a $10.54 million cap hit for 2021 for an acquiring team in a trade and that mind you, freeing up the cap space maybe more for filling talent holes in free agency 
But Watson himself won't make up much cap space for a new team. That's massive. That's huge to be able to get him in that way. And they've gotten rid of a lot of guys. Trey Boston, Michael Pilardi, uh, defensive end Stephen Weatherly, and Kawan Shore, defensive tackle. And that created $19.9 million in cap space, which brings the total up to $28.5 million. That's more than enough to count for Watson, but I think it's also, you know, it's all about adding free agents because I think the $10.5 million cap hit isn't going to amount. It's a, it's a drop of the water, relatively speaking. Now they release some other guys, then the, then the conversation changes. But that's huge to be able to say, hey, you know, this is how much money you're saving, and they're pondering the option of another quarterback change. They just signed Teddy Bridgewater to a three-year, $63 million contract. Underwhelmed in his first season, 15 touchdowns, 11 picks, and had an underwhelming, you know, pro grade, according to Pro Football Focus, had a 66 QB grade. Not great. But it speaks to something else. Because going back to the Matt Stafford trade before the Rams got a hold of him, the Panthers had made an offer for Bridgewater. Made an offer of Bridgewater number eight pick and a fifth round pick in exchange for what they what in exchange for Matthew Stafford. That wasn't enough. They wound up going ahead and going with Jared Goff, two first round picks and a third round selection. Watson's gonna fetch a good bit. I think potentially you could also be throwing over your guy Christian McCaffrey. And if you do that, I think this really is going to be a wild team to look at. I, because I think Deshaun Watson could work well with a guy like Christian McCaffrey. A guy like that could work well with anybody. And I think that it really changes the way the offense runs around him. But I want to stick with Teddy Bridgewater for a minute. And it speaks to something that I've been thinking about for a little bit when it comes to the world of the NFL. And the modern NFL mentality is exactly why guys like Teddy Bridgewater is already in the chopping block after one year. It's a win right freaking now mentality. And if you can't get us to that point, get the hell out. And I feel like that's what's going to happen to a lot of different quarterbacks in the not-too-distant future, where if you're not winning, you're getting going. Look at Miami. There's been rumors for weeks now that they want to trade to a tongue of Iowa to go get Deshaun Watson. Trading a guy they got with a top five pick last year who didn't do half bad in the limited amount of time he had. A guy who just came off of a hip injury last year was able to bounce back and looked halfway decent. Now, I'm sure that's a lot of it just has to do with the fact that they're almost non-committal towards keeping him as their full-time guy. But look at what he did in the 10 games he played. He had 11 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. That's a pretty decent ratio. That's a pretty decent ratio, if I do say so myself, for a rookie who only started in 9 games. Who had a completion percentage of 64%. Only got sacked a, a, few, like, a few times compared to a lot of other quarterbacks across the league. Namely, you know, Russell Wilson. He looked really good amongst the rookies in a limited space. 
I would love to have him in my group of people. I'd love to have him in my circle. That's where I'm at. I want to see what he does. But Tua Tagovailoa apparently isn't the guy that they want. It's really wild to think they're that noncommittal on this guy. It'd be like saying after like a year of me being here, you know, one of three seven games says, "Hey, kick rocks on down the road." It's mind-boggling to see that, to see that basically, unless you're getting me to the promised land, you aren't worth a damn. Jared Goff is a case in point. Where Jared Goff, just a couple years ago, got this team, got his team to a Super Bowl. Yes, they stunk it up at the Super Bowl like the Kansas City Chiefs did just about a month ago. But it's mind-boggling that the Saints are a team that has Jameis Winston right here right now. And they feel like they've got a great starting quarterback in-house. They sign him to a decent-sized contract. What if Jameis Winston goes back to being the 30-interception, 30-touchdown guy? Then you are going to have to trade him. And at the end of the day, nobody's going to want him. There's going to be no takers if we see a 30-30 year again. If that happens again, Jameis Winston's career, a lot like, in my mind, Cam Newton's career, will be done, dead, and buried. And then the Saints are going to have to go with somebody else. Because I'm almost certain Taysom Hill is going to feel slighted because he was told for so long under no uncertain terms that he was the guy. He was the guy. And if you don't go with the guy in Sean Payton's mind, you've got to wind up trying to find somebody else. And that could take a while. Go look at the Dallas Cowboys before Dak Prescott and even to a certain extent Tony Romo. After Aikman, that team became incredibly mediocre. Their record speaks for itself. After Aikman left, that team sucked. They had Tony Romo. He was there for years, but just could never quite get over the hump. Dak Prescott, more of the same. A lot of it, you know, be it Des caught it or whatever. It just hasn't happened. I hope Dak Prescott gets his payday. Because if he doesn't, then that creates a whole other mess of problems in terms of the wild world of free agency. I'd be amazed if the Dallas Cowboys trade, if they don't sign Dak Prescott to a deal. And mind you, we shouldn't be surprised if Jerry Jones and his maniac self. I mean, in fact, he just made a ton of money because of this whole power outage thing in Texas. Heart, thoughts and prayers go out to all those people out there in Texas. Everywhere else has been dealing with this big freeze. Because a lot of people have been like burst pipes and everything. Been an absolute mess. But I hope that we'd see that because I'd be depressed to see, you know, this thing continue to be a Changing the guard every couple of years. Just because you're not getting to where you need to be. Instead of trying to give this guy the tools he needs to succeed, it's it's basically throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's what I feel like the NFL is doing. If you're not winning now, get rid of the quarterback and change the entire team and just start over. That's not how you create a winning culture. You stick with the guy and you try and build around him. 
You don't see Daniel Jones, a guy who is probably maddeningly mediocre at a quarterback position for the New York football Giants, one of the most scrutinized teams in the country. Because New York teams always get scrutinized like crazy. You pretty much got like a magnifying glass over you. You telling me that they aren't looking at him and saying, hey, he's underwhelming. He's gonna he's not gonna be the guy. He's not gonna be changing this franchise's fortunes. Because if the New York media was running things, he'd be gone. He'd be gone and go and do something else. But they're not. They're sticking with it and trying to build a team around him. Trying to build a team around him and Saquon Barkley. You don't see them shopping off and, and putting him on the chopping block. No, because they are invested in him. That's how a lot of teams should be. But I think it's the fact that they are just buzzing to get that immediate like win-now mentality. It's hurting teams. I think it's hurting a lot of them. All right, it's under the dome with CD. And we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk some NFL. We'll continue the conversation about which team has the bigger quarterback question mark right now. Speaking of QBs, we'll stick with two teams, the 49ers and the New Orleans Saints. Next, back after this on 103.7 The Game on 103.7thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules, and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD, who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. The Twin Peaks hotline is open, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. And now we're going to go over to the Twin Peaks hotline. We got Ralph called in during the break. Let's get him in on the conversation. Ralph, what's happening, what's happening man? Hey, CD. Uh, since I'm originally from Genesis, I was kind of wondering. Uh, what was that, Rob? You cut out there for a sec. Okay. I'm originally from Generat, so that, does that make me one of your degenerates that listen to your show? <laughs> I'd say yeah. I'd say yeah. All right. Hey, look, man, I couldn't agree with you more about um, about teams giving up too quick on, on quarterback because I was kind of looking back at Drew Brees' uh, career in San Diego, and Listen to the you know first year he, he barely played, but in 2002 he was a 17 touchdown 16 INT, then 11 touchdowns 16 INTs. 2004 had a great year 27 seven, then the next year 24 16, then he goes to the Saints. You know so they 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 had given up on him also. They had drafted Philip Rivers before his injury, before Drew Brees got hurt. So you know it's all about. Being patient and being in the right system, I think, and and uh, way too often teams don't build around these guys to be successful. They invest all their chips in, in this one guy, thinking you know he can work all this magic. But if you don't have a good offensive line, or good wide receivers, or heck, a good defense, you know, um, and you're talking about Daniel Jones, I I tell you what, you could if you, if you Switched out the last name and called him Daniel Manning. Eli Manning was an average quarterback, but he won two Super Bowls because the Giants built a team. So, I, you know, again, I'm with you, man. You, they're they're throwing these guys in there as rookies, expecting them to be all pro, 
and, and not giving them the, the, the time or the weapons, uh, you know, to, 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 to kind of succeed, you know. So uh, just wanted to say that and enjoy the show, the CD. And I just want to throw out one more thing. Um, as far as the announcer goes, it's take Zach Strip's place. Uh, Mike Hoff, I've heard him a little bit on the sideline reports. I thought Tim Brando used to do a really good job when he did the Saints preseason games. And I know this is a real long shot, but just in case you want to leave Tigerland, I love Chris Blair, man. He is so good. So you have a good day, CD. You too, Thanks, Ralph. Man. You too, Ralph. I'll answer that with you talking about Chris Blair. Well, we, we talked about wrestling last week, Ralph. So for me, as the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase once said, everybody's got a price. And I'll leave it at that. Is I, I, I'm not, I want to speak for Chris Blair because I think he does a fantastic job as the voice of the LSU Tigers. He did a fantastic job for Georgia Southern. Does he want to be able to be just a pro guy? Just sticking strictly with the 17 game season that is the or 16 game. Actually, I think it's going to be 17 after the season. I don't know. But does he want to stick with being doing play by play? For probably six to eight months of the entire year, going from that to three months? I don't necessarily think so. It's an interesting point, though, that you bring up about Chris Blair. But again, I appreciate the call, Ralph. And I think that's just the the way it is in sports, is that there's no franchise that just wants to set themselves up for success as a complete team. Because it all comes down to one guy. It all comes down to one person, and it's not you, it's not the fans, it's not the defense, it's not the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, it's the quarterback. Who is the person that we hear the most about? Who do we get the most calls about? And the play of, when we come on Mondays during football season, what gets more of a conversation going? Is it, you know, the offensive line putting together a great performance and keeping a guy upright? No. Is it a defensive performance unlike any other that helps shut down a really good offense? Occasionally, yes. It is a headline on occasion. But nine times out of ten, every time we come on this, these airwaves on a, on a Monday after a Saints win or loss, an LSU win or loss, or even a Cajuns win or loss, we get a conversation going. About the quarterback. Drew Brees underwhelmed. He's, he's washed up. All this stuff. Then we hear about, you know, what's going on with LSU's quarterback position. For years we've been talking about pre-Joe Burrow. Like, we need to figure out who, who that quarterback is. There's We don't know who it is. We've had two quarterbacks. we got none. I can When I got here, we were having the Brandon Harris-Anthony Jennings debates. Ad nauseum. We were having... Then after that, Anthony Jennings jumps over to UL, and he does a halfway decent job, gets him to the 6-6, six and six, but that doesn't cut it. Everybody's wondering, what's next? Who's going to wind up taking over that job after he leaves? Then we see Danny Etling. Oh, Danny Etling's not doing a good enough job. You need to try and build up some guys. Miles Brennan, he's the next big thing. I mean, how many guys have we seen go through LSU's turnstiles and wind up at other places? Lowell Narcees, the list goes on. I could probably talk about all those guys for an entire hour, but I'm not. The, the sport that matters most here in this area. I love baseball, but I feel like to a certain extent, this is a football state. Football and baseball and softball, that's your top three. 
Sorry, Lewis, basketball is number four in my book. And I'm probably, a lot of people do align with that thought process, at least to me. Because when you look at LSU, when you look at all the sports teams we frequent the most, we get a lot of calls about the quarterback. We never really get a call about, you know, the offensive line performance or anything like that. It's always about the quarterback and how important that position is. And it's majorly important. But it's not quite as important as having an entire team built around you. Because if you have a hell of a quarterback, but you don't have a wide receiver to throw to, like, like for instance, go look at Teddy Bridgewater last year versus this past season. He was markedly better in the Saints system because of the fact he had guys like Michael Thomas, like Jericho. He had weapons to choose from to where he didn't have to do all the work. He was able to delegate and take care of business. Latavius Murray got better. Michael Thomas, Al Kamara, he was using all those guys to the fullest extent. And that's where we were at. They did a bang-up job with him last season, two seasons ago now. Then last season with the Carolina Panthers, he does not look nearly as good. Why? Because offensive line play. You have your star running back, probably one of the key cogs in your offense, he gets hurt the second week of the season. And it sucked for me because I had him as a, on a fantasy league. And he was a no-cut guy. Yeah, I couldn't cut him, couldn't trade him. He was just there. He existed on a plane solely to piss me off. That's where he was at. He was out for like half the season. Then he injures himself again and is done for the rest of the year. So if we're going to talk about what's going on with the franchise that is the Carolina Panthers, we also got to wonder the biggest question mark in the NFL right now among in the QB position. Is it the Niners or the Saints? I think that the bigger question mark is the San Francisco 49ers. I was seeing this last night from a JR Sport Brief, which you can hear weeknights, well, overnights, actually. It's like from 9 p.m. to midnight. If you're a night owl like I am, Go listen to his show. It's interesting. And he is absolutely asking this question, and I was wondering about it. You know, who has that bigger question mark, Saints or Niners? I think it's the Niners more because of the fact that if you do get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, who do you truly trust to get you to a certain spot, to get you to this point where you can be the guy in that franchise? And you can turn that franchise from being a jamoke outside of every once every decade to being a legitimate contender. Because let's be honest, after the Super Bowl with the Ravens and they blew that lead and then the Ravens came back and won and Ray Lewis rode off to the sunset, the whole Kaepernick thing fell apart and I'm not going to get into this other stuff that went on with him, but he underwhelmed after that season. The 49ers, after their Super Bowl run, and it was a good run, I'm not going to lie. They looked pretty damn good. But the 49ers had a lot of question marks. And the biggest question mark for me when it comes to those those teams, it's the fact that they dealt with a lot of injuries. Jimmy G, the biggest one of them. And if you have all those guys hurt, you're going to deal with 
a lot of consequences. You're going to be dealing with guys not being fully being used to their full potential. We talk about it all the time. Like you don't want to waste a player's full potential or a team's full potential because of one guy getting injured. That was the case with the 49ers. Now I hope Jimmy G is healthy and recovered. Because at the end of the day, do you really trust anybody else on that franchise right now, today, to take you to that spot? Because I don't think John Lynch has enough like backstock in terms of you know equity and draft picks to be able to go get a Deshaun Watson, to be able to go get somebody that's going to get you where you need to be if Jimmy G ain't the guy. Because let's be honest, I think the Jimmy G injuries make you question his future stock. Is do you want an injury-prone quarterback? That's a big red flag for a lot of teams that are trying to get themselves into that contention because that's what they're all doing. But here's the thing. You know, it's hard to do when you're in a stacked conference like the NFC. The NFC is probably the best division in football right now, in the conference right now. It's the king. You've got Aaron Rodgers, you got Tom Brady. Those two alone are pretty much your gatekeepers. Dak Prescott, if he's healthy. Jimmy G, if he's healthy, could make this a lot more interesting. The AFC is pretty much the Chiefs and everybody else. It's much more top-heavy. But there's a stacked NFC in terms of the way things contend. I hope we can continue to see that, and it maybe becomes a little bit more balanced. But that feels like it's easier said than done, especially with the statement that Tom Brady isn't coming back next year, which I'm, I'm dreading seeing now with a Saints team with, that may not be able to get above 30. If Jameis Winston is the guy, I think they could get above 30 in some games, but you're going to have to keep up with the Joneses. And with the cap space and the cap hits, they're going to have to deal with in 2021. Good luck. God bless. In Loomis Domics, we trust. All right, it's under the dome with CD. We're going to wrap up the show next. One final take, and it's a basketball one. We want to save in basketball for the end of the show. We'll be back after this. On Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 TheGame.com. Back after this. Just before we close up shop here on 103.7 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. One final take on the show, and we go with a little bit of a basketball perspective. Is well, the All-Star Game starters list was unveiled earlier this week. And I think the biggest snub without a doubt was Damian Little. Dame Dalla has been an absolute beast for those Portland Trailblazers for a while. And the fact he was snubbed absolutely was a tragedy. Because I sat there, I'm like, okay, he needs to be a guy that's in there. But nope, he was not in that Western team. I would have loved to have seen him round out that list. But lo and behold, he didn't. Is what it is. He is going to probably be a reserve. At least it's just the way I think about it. It's tough, though, to see this grouping. And I think, obviously, the, the All-Star Game team is good. I think it's definitely going to be fun to see where it all goes, but man, it was, it was wild to see the re- revelation where you didn't see Dame Dalla in it. It was LeBron, Kawhi, Jokic, Doncic, and Curry. 
I think Curry shouldn't have been in there. And it's a hot take, but I think Curry hasn't necessarily been as great as, say, a, you know, just saying, Dame Dollar. Holla holla. That would have been a lot more fun, but, you know, is what it is. I'm glad Doncic and Jokic got in. Joker has been absolutely amazing this year. But it's going to be a fun one, March 7th, the All-Star Game. And I'm sure the dunk contest is going to be even more awesome because I would I would be remiss and absolutely furious if Zion Williamson isn't in it. Because Zion absolutely deserves to be in that. But, you know, if he's not, tis what it is. But that's about all I've got for the show today. But trust me, the fun does not stop. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we got LSU basketball. That's going to be starting at 3 o'clock, 2.30 pregame. We'll have that right here on Acadiana Sports Station. Then we've also got, I'd say something really cool coming up on Sunday. LSU women's basketball. I believe tip off at 5. So you hear that action right here on 103.7 The Game tomorrow. Well, tomorrow. Then on Monday, we've got a regular schedule programming. The fun don't stop, people. We've got RP3 and company, footnotes, Jordy, Ben Love, till 6. And then LSU Baseball, taking a lot of tech. We'll have that right here. So trust me when I say, we got you covered all weekend long and pretty much all week long. I think from this point on until, like, let's just say I'd shoot for, like, early October, pretty much live programming every single day that's local Astros, LSU, whatever it is, we got you covered. So make sure you just keep locked right here to Katie in a sports station. 1037 the game. And if you miss any of the show, we have it up in just a few. Until then, I'll talk to you next week. It's CD on the dome. It's over. Hey, Clavis, wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.